All right. Can everyone hear me? Yep. Yay. We are here for the post fork and I can't talk, Post Force Awakens Scandals and Cliffhangers panel. And this year, we actually know what Force Awakens is about, so we can talk about it. <laughs> so uh, we're going to, this panel is going to be very casual. Uh, we want, we're going to solicit audience participation later on. Um, but first, um, we're going to go down the line and introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Nancy. I'll be moderating the panel. I'm the co-founder of Tashi Station, which is a Star Wars and geek culture blog and podcast. We do a bunch of podcasts on there, and we just started the Thrawn cast, in which we are reading through the Thrawn trilogy uh, because of a certain character appearing in Rebels and showing up uh, in a book coming up in August, so, or April. And if you haven't read those yet, you can read along with us or just revisit. So I'll go down to the end. So Chadwick, next. Chadwick, I'm just a really big Star Wars collector and a huge fan. My name is Danny. I am, you can hear me on a podcast called Rogue Padron, which is an X-Wing book club podcast where we have very serious and deep and insightful conversations <laughs> about the material of those books. I can tell who's listened to that podcast before <laughs> in the room. Uh, my name's Sarah. I am a um, contributor to the 1138 uh, Star Wars News and Opinion blog, and you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm Brian. I am the other co-founding half of the Tashi Station blog, half of Tashi Station Radio, a player on Of Dice and Droids, a Star Wars tabletop podcast, uh, panelist on the Throncast, and occasional contributor to the Tashi Station book club. So do you like Star Wars? No, I yeah. hate it. <laughs> a little... So, first off, I thought I wanted to do a few lightning round questions where we just go down and give us all our opinions about The Force Awakens. So, starting off, I want to say, what was your, basically, initial reaction to The Force Awakens? And then, did it change over time? What would you say your opinion is now? Brian. Incoherent babbling and screaming. <laughs> and that was true for about three weeks afterwards. Uh, if you ask me now, it is my favorite Star Wars episodic film. Also, how many times did you see it in the theaters? I don't know. How many times did I see it in the theaters? Thirteen. Your wife? Thirteen. Thirteen. Thank you. <laughs> I think my first reaction when I first saw the movie was just kind of like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. So I didn't. it wasn't until the second viewing that it really kind of started um, sinking in and I started thinking more and forming opinions about it. Return of the Jedi will always have my heart. But it's, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's a good movie. It's, it's a fun movie, and I really enjoy it a lot. And I saw it six times in theaters. Four on opening weekend. I, I smiled constantly throughout, and I'm still smiling to this day. Did you smile when Han Solo died? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you monster! <laughs> Danny, you're fired. <laughs> I was just, I couldn't, um, anyway. Um, I saw it twice in theaters because movies are expensive these days, but it's been running nonstop on my TV since it came out. So. When I saw it, my first response was, I think I've seen this movie before. <laughs> yeah. and then Fair. I thought about it, so if you told a, bunch, a group of millennials the original Star Wars story, then asked them to make the movie, this is what you would get. It's and that's gorgeous. not a bad thing. It's gorgeous. I mean, it's amazingly made, but it's pretty much the same story until you get to the very end. So, but 
I've seen it in theaters probably four or five times, and but it has gotten the problems I have with it have gotten less with each repeated viewing. And I, I saw it 13 times. Well, thir at 13 and a half, because I was on the Star Wars cruise and um, got seasick during dinner one night, and so I just went to the theater and stood in the back because it was the only place on the ship that I wasn't sick <laughs> and watched half the movie. Um, and I I was very nervous throughout the whole movie because I'm a big Luke Skywalker fan, and I was basically waiting for the entire movie to see him. Uh, so I got to the end and was, you know, sobbing and also, you know, I because, you know, the Han Solo scene was very emotional. Um, but it's still, I, I debate whether or not it's Force Awakens or Return of the Jedi is my favorite. But um, Favorite characters? Rey. <laughs> I love Rey. I love Rey. She's my favorite. I love her. I am completely incapable of choosing because with the exception of a couple of the Darksiders, every single character in that movie is just so freaking delightful, and I love them all. Like, with every second, it changes. They're, they're just all such likable people. I mean, the dark side characters are delightful, too. Yeah, all, <laughs> Actually, wait, Finn is also tied for first place in my heart from that movie. See? Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Maz. Yes. We named our cat Maz, so <laughs> love her. And um, mine is Poe Dameron, because he's the best pilot in the galaxy. <laughs> um, favorite scenes? Uh, mine is, to no surprise, the Jedi steps. I have to look and see what I wrote You didn't down answer. This. I didn't answer this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't choose. Uh, the whole battle over Maz's castle. Yeah. I love that. Uh, just the way the action was choreographed, uh, all the character moments in it, and then... Me too. Poe Dameron showing up in a blaze of glory. Yeah, loved it. Uh, I think my favorite was Ray's Force Vision in um, Maz's castle when she uh, gets Anakin's lightsaber because I just love all the weird like prophecy, um, you know, flashback, flash forward type stuff. How many times did it take people to actually hear everything in in that scene? Because <laughs> like because you first see it the first time and you're just trying to take everything in and you realize wait that's Obi-Wan, that's Yoda, like, yeah. I'm, honestly, I still find things when I rewatch yeah. the movie. And the, the, um, the Obi-Wan thing is really interesting because it's Alec Guinness merged with Ewan McGregor's voice. Um, my favorite scene is also the battle over Maz's castle, which I actually committed to when we started the doc, but since that was hijacked by <laughs> at the last second, I'm going to go with um, the the Falcon leaving Jakku. Yes. I, I saw a couple of the prequels in, in theaters. Um, I was pretty young, so I don't fully remember that. This is the first time when I was like fully able to consciously immerse myself in a, in a Star Wars film in theaters, and, and that scene, just that whole sequence, was I was I was just like moving back and forth, and I was like on the edge of my seat, and I looked <laughs> to myself at one point, I was just like, I am a child in this theater, and, and it was wonderful. <laughs> and I think the, the great thing about that scene, too, is we all saw it in the previews, and none of us realized that it was not Han Solo flying that ship. Mine was when R2 woke up, and it just... Yes. Kind of provide the heart of the movie, and then now recent events that kind of a little more special. Yeah. So, as I said last year, 
at Dragon Con, we talked about First Awakens, and we had a, you know some official information, but we really did not know a lot about what the movie was going to be about. Because uh, J.J. Abrams likes to be secret keeper <laughs> uh, and keep everything in his mystery box. So I think the... F- the first, the one of the main questions everyone had on their mind was, "Where's Luke?" Uh, he wasn't in any of the promotional material, other than a leaked photo. Like no one had seen what he was doing in the movie. And then we get to the movie. The movie starts, and the first line of the crawl is, "Luke Skywalker has vanished." And I said, "Okay, JJ, thanks for." <laughs> Glad we got that one sorted out. Yeah. I mean, it was nice to get that out of the way right away. So I'm like, "Okay, I'm not going to see him until the very." I know. I saw that, and it was like a. Sucker punch, right? Yeah, I was like, like, what? Well, darn it. (laughs) Um, But the opening crawl provided a lot of information about things we had been wondering. What is the state of the galaxy? Uh, We learned that Leia is, we knew she was a general, but that she's been leading this resistance. She's looking for Luke and sending Poe on a mission. Um, So right off the bat, was there anything else about the crawl that kind of was like, this is going to be not what you expected, or was it what you were looking forward to? I stumped everyone. Well, it was more of a traditional crawl than the tri- prequel trilogy, where it kind of set it up more like the original trilogy. It's hard to say because, you know, I mean, I wasn't, I was only following the officially released material, like promotional materials, I wasn't hunting out spoilers or anything, and so I didn't think I was going in with any sort of idea of what the movie was going to be about, but I guess I did, because I saw the the crawl, and I was like, I wasn't expecting any of that, so I have no (laughs) idea where we're going at all right now. So, yeah, I guess it just, yeah. Yeah. So, we would like to have this be a back and forth discussion panel with the audience so if you have any questions for us or if you want to make a comment and then we can discuss it um, you can line up right here in the middle of the room and And we will grab questions as we go yes we will grab questions as we go and discuss so yes just out of curiosity did we really need to see Luke at the end. I yes. Mean, yes. <laughs> if you've ever seen the movies, like in, in, in all of George Lucas's movies, at the very end, there's always like this like final establishing shot with like a bunch, in, in also including the Clone Wars. It's like one last shot with everybody sort of standing there, and poof, they go to credits. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that yes, this the movie is part of a trilogy, but in order for this film to function as a single film, it has to have that payoff of seeing Luke Skywalker at the end, yeah. since he is sort of the MacGuffin that the film just rotates around. And if you you know, if as we've all seen the Star Wars movies numerous times, I know I was expecting like for a dialogue exchange, you know, or for Mark Hamill to have lines in the movie. Uh, but after afterwards, as I was thinking about it, I said, well, obviously, as soon as that music started, I should have known because Star Wars movies never end with dialogue. They end with music. And, you know, for J.J. Abrams, who followed the original trilogy very well, I, you know, I should have figured out immediately, okay, yeah, he's going to... He's going to do that. So. And to, to build off of that, I, 
I guess I'd seen somewhere, and this must have been misinterpreted by the media surprise, but Ray had said something, or Daisy Ridley had said something along the lines of, of the fact that her parentage would not be a mystery after this first movie. So I was just like watching this whole movie thinking, where are our parents, where are our parents, where are our parents? And then she was walking up to Luke Skywalker, and I just, I expected that the last thing was going to be like, I'm your father, but less easy, <laughs> hopefully. And then, yeah. and then same thing, the, the music started, and I was like, wait, they're not going to answer it, they're not going to answer it. And nope. then credits, and I was just like, what? <laughs> Yep, that was what I was worried about, was that we're going to have two more years of Yeah, raised parents theories. Yeah. Two, let's try four. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, we don't know if we're going to say anything in eight. Well, they're making that movie about her, her mom in a couple months, though, so that'll be... <laughs> Danny! <laughs> so, yeah, um, so, well, since we brought that up, I guess we can do the whole raised parents thing. I'm going to go down the line. Ray Hood. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Ice cream maker man. Okay, for a serious answer. Yeah. Uh, I think I think she's definitely descended from Anakin. Whether it's I think they're setting it up for her to be Luke's daughter, but I personally want her to be Leia's daughter for reasons. But uh, I <laughs> no no <laughs> no. Oh. Danny. I said you were fired, right? <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I think they're, they're, it looks like they're setting it up for her to be Anakin Skywalker's granddaughter. And the whole... Because the whole family dynamic conflict thing is so integral to Star Wars. And so with her and Kylo kind of representing the light and dark side in these films, I think that would be just really satisfying on a narrative level, in my opinion. Danny, Splinters of a Man- Mind's Eye wasn't canon before the Legends <laughs> thing. So here's here's my take on this. I was on Team Ray Skywalker for a long time, and I've, I've officially yeah I'm, I'm officially a traitor to to the, the cause. So as I've been rewatching over and over, there's that line that Maz Kanata says to her about how what you're looking for is not behind you; it, it's it's ahead. And Luke Skywalker is ahead of her. Luke Skywalker is not behind her. And I think that there's just a beauty to the whole found family idea. Star Wars more and more is uh, a franchise for everyone. And there are a lot of people that can relate to a story about, you know, not having parents or not having good parents and and being able to find that same level of connection with people. And I think she's going to find that connection with the Skywalkers. And I think it'd be really powerful if she's not related to them by blood. See, I'm hoping she is related to him by blood just because when she grabbed the lightsaber, she got the visions of Luke Mm -hmm. herself being left. And it'll also explain why she's such a great pilot and why, why she's so strong with the Force, which also means she probably should lose her hand in the end of the <laughs> <laughs> Well, And also so just on a, <laughs> on a more meta level, you know, the whole Arthurian, Arthurian, you know, hero's journey, being the heir to this great power, you rarely get to see a girl character have that journey. And so it would really mean a lot to me to be able to see Rey kind of take on that role and be the heir to the Skywalker power. And also, I don't want Kylo Ren to be the only Skywalker yes. from this generation oh, yeah. of kids. That's the real reason. That's the real reason. That's the real reason. Because, man, I do, he's a terrible heir. <laughs> I promise I won't harp on this, but again, I just think all the things you're saying would be just as powerful, and, and it just goes to show that family doesn't have to be blood. Yeah. That's all I'm well, saying. I think, and I think, honestly, whatever they do, as long as it's done well, mm-hmm. I think everyone's going to... Everyone has their theories that they say, oh, if this happens, I'm leaving Star Wars forever. And that never happens, because... <laughs> You know, as long as it's done well, you're going to end up liking it. And I, I, that's, 
as much I want her to be Luke's daughter really bad <laughs> uh, because I just I've I, I said if they were going to do a new story, you know, and uh, they can tear push down everything they had before as long as they give me a Skywalker daughter. Um, but I think even if she's not, I if long as she becomes like Luke's daughter, which I think is what's going to happen, that yeah. would be good. Um, yeah, next question. Um, so I was wondering what your take was on the fact that Leia is a general rather than, you know, maybe leading a democratic, organized government. <laughs> have you read Bloodline by Claudia Gray? Well, I, I have, but I was... <laughs> okay. I mean, the thing is, is that we're supposed to sort of accept with these movies that the books are not necessarily canon anymore. They are they now. Are. Really? Yes. yes. Well, they the, are. The new ones, anything published after the book A New Dawn is right, considered Right, but canon. Mara is in the original books. Yes, but they are... They kind of rebooted the books. Well, all right. Yes, <laughs> so... Um, as of A New Dawn, um, everything under the Lucasfilm banner is approved by the story group in a way that yeah. did not exist prior. To be fair, it's, prior. it's, you know, they're not, it's not required reading to understand the movies, but it, is a, it's, it explains how Leia got disenfranchised with the New Republic. And, and I've read it, but I guess yeah. when I watched the movie, I mm-hmm. did not, of course. And right. When I watched the movie, one of my main questions when I walked away was, why? What happened to Leia? And I just feel like, yeah. while the books are great, and I, I, I love books, if you're going to have yeah. a major movie, it seems like you really need to reference I that think, and discuss yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from, because that was also an issue I had. I felt like they could have done like a five-minute scene, like three lines of dialogue. Commentary just, just kind of, Just kind of explaining why the Senate doesn't apparently take, like why she's not part of the Senate anymore, just of sort of, oh, well, how did they find, how did they build Starkiller Base and we didn't know about it? It's like, oh, well, the Senate doesn't think they're a threat, so nobody's, like, keeping tabs on them. And then, like, boom, you've got it explained. So, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, I think that was one of the main criticisms people had is that they wanted some more explanations about the politics of the galaxy. I think that we will be getting a lot more of that in Episode 8 because um, Ryan Johnson, who was the the director, um, was... Uh, you know, having talks with Claudia Gray, the author of that book, and like ex- saying this is the, some political stuff I want to put in. So I have a feeling we're going to get more of that in eight. I think also the purpose of this film was not to tell us this the story of Han, Luke, and Leia. The purpose of the film was to introduce us to the new cast of characters, and and Han, Luke, and Leia play a role in in these new characters, but. Um, I don't think the filmmakers were coming at it from the perspective of we need to tie up all the loose ends of these characters and explain how they got from A to B. Um, and I think part of the, the beauty of all the books being canon now is that we can use use books and comics and other media to tie in uh, those those holes that we get well, to. Plus, plus also now that the new characters are, you know, with the, the OT3, that we have... Um, yeah. Uh, but we, you know, now that there? they know Luke and and Leia that we'll get more of the larger galaxy since they are now part of what's going on. Right. So episode eight can open with Leia in a coffee shop with Poe and Finn. <laughs> Let me just fill you in here real quick. Well, see, <laughs> my question was not why was she a general? What was the resistance for? Because you had the good guy government, the good guys, and then you had the new order, and then you had the resistance, because initially it was just one versus one. Now you've got this group and this group, and which group do they actually resistance for, and which ones do they actually serve? 
I, I think the resistance is in reference to like they're resisting the first order. But then what and about the main government? Because it, because the, the main government is just kind of they're so hands off that they don't want to get involved in anything because they, it's kind of a reaction yeah. against the totalitarianism of the empire. Goes back, we just need to one or two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think from a filmmaking perspective, unlike in se- 1977 when George Lucas had zero idea if the studios would finance another film after this, uh, Lucasfilm is going in now knowing we have three films. We don't have Six. to... really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't have to spell everything out in this first film. We will dole it out over the course of three episodic films. Next. Hey. Hey. Um, I just want to preface my question with, I am on two teams. Team Ray Kenobi and (laughs) Team Ray Palpatine. Because I think both of those would be insane. Um, (laughs) But... um, We all read Glove of Darth Vader. We don't need that again. We don't need another Ken, no. <laughs> um, On the contrary, we all need Ken. <laughs> <laughs> um, my question is, um, I want to know what you guys thought of the main um, lightsaber duel at the end, because that is my favorite scene in all of Force Awakens, and I've rewatched it like 20 times. Oh my god, yeah. um, And I've just, I've heard varying reactions from different Star Wars fans, so I wanted to get your take on it. I love that lightsaber fight. It is so raw, it is so it is so unskilled to suggest that these two individuals are so raw in the force, so raw in their training, that they only have this brute strength basically, to fight. And it's, it, it just says a lot about where these two are in that, in that fight. Mm-hmm. I loved how it was choreographed. I don't know if it would have worked any other way. Yeah. I, favorite lightsaber duel of the entire saga for me, for yeah, sure. Yeah, me too. Um, and and um, not just because awesome. of the, the characters and their story, because that's amazing, but the setting was just absolutely gorgeous. And uh, if you check out the behind-the-scenes documentary on the DVD, they, they actually show how they that's built. That's an entire soundstage. Yeah, who, who thought cut that down was an forest, actual forest? Basically like, cut down a forest and I rebuilt it, it inside a, a studio to film that, which is... Um, wow. From an environmentalist perspective, um, <laughs> not gonna worry about that. But like from a movie perspective, like that's incredible, and and the setting was just as important, I think, because that was just so beautiful. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I I love that one. Um, I think also the the duel right before it with Finn and Kylo is also great, mainly because I you know I've seen a lot of criticism about Finn, but I say, look, this guy tried to fight against Kylo Ren, knowing that he was you know, going to get, you know, defe- utterly defeated, and he just went in with no fear. So And holds yeah. his own against him for quite a bit. Yeah. Go ahead. Hey, guys, I wanted to uh, ask what you guys thought of Snoke, and in particularly the fan theory that he is or is related to Plagueis, based off of the evidence that the same score played for him that was playing in Episode 3 when Darth Sidious was talking about Okay, now it's Snoke Theory time. (laughs) All right. Yes! All right. I have a lot of thoughts about Snoke as Plagueis, mainly that I don't think that's going to happen. They've confirmed it's not. At all. Well, yeah. Yeah, they've already said as much. It's not. I mean, but even just looking at it from a narrative standpoint, the whole point of the Darth Plagueis story that Palpatine tells Anakin is... You know, he for all his attempts to to try and get eternal life and more, you know, immortality, he still dies in the end. It's kind of a parallel to, you know, the dark side offers you what you think you want, but it never turns out the way you think it's going to happen, and it's, you're usually worse off for it. 
So Placus is dead. He's dead. And I don't think it's going to be Snoke. I don't know who Snoke is. I think he's probably one of Palpatine's advisors, maybe. It's uh, Ken Palpatine. It's Ken Palpatine. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's his uh, his niece from that one role-playing game. <laughs> I don't think he's Plagueis. I do. I am very interested to see who exactly he is. I don't think he's anyone we've known before, but we still don't know anything about him. Like, was he in the New Republic? Was he... Is, did he originate in the First Order? Like, is he... A, we don't even know if he's a Force user. I mean, I guess he is, because he... I, know, like, I also have another theory that that's not even what he really looks like. Yes. That, that, that we're, that it's like kind the of Wizard of Oz. Me. Yeah, like the Wizard of Oz. You know, it's like, I'm Snoke, the great and powerful, and he's really going to be some dude behind a curtain. It's going to be Yoda. Yeah, and you mentioned Force user. My, my theory is that Snoke isn't a Force user. And, that would be interesting. And there's a, there's a lot of this talk of the Church of the Force. Laura Santeca, um, at the very beginning of the movie, um, some of the background information is that he um, prescribed to the, the Force as it's kind of a religion, but was not a Force user himself. There's some characters in Rogue One coming up who are a similar thing. So we're seeing a lot of these people who study the Force but are not actually sensitive to the Force. So I think that'd be really fascinating if he's training an apprentice who you, does use the Force and kind of almost living vicariously through him. Yeah, and aftermath and life debt yeah. uh, lend more credence to that idea. Well, also, Tarkin wasn't a Force user, and he was kind of bossing around Vader in the first one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I'm really interested to see how exactly uh, Snoke was able to get his claws into Ben Solo. Um, I'm really hoping that they will eventually write a book about all of that, because that's a story that needs to be told. Yes. So, first, who are Finn's parents? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I, I think it, I don't know if it matters because they, they were taken from their, their parents or given up to the First Order. Um, and sh I mean, I think Finn, even more than Ray, is the example that you can come from nothing and become awesome. Yeah, I think Finn's arc is definitely about that found family thing that Danny was talking about earlier and finding Ray and finding Han for a short time and finding Poe and the Resistance and all these people who, you know, he can consider his family who aren't just his superiors or who aren't just trying to, you know, be better at him and as a in the classes or whatever. And if you start looking at, like, if he's Lando or Mesa's or Wilro Hood's kid, <laughs> then you're going to have just start blaming everything on the will of the force like it was back in the prequels where everything just keeps repeating itself over and over and over instead of opening yourself up to a brand new galaxy. Yeah. There was something odd between Kylo Ren and Finn even when he was still a stormtrooper. Right. That, I mean, how would he know one stormtrooper out of everybody that landed in there? Well, he did, like, actually see him not doing what he was trained to yeah, do. But you know what I mean. Yeah. There was, there was something there that, that may be something in the future. Also, um... Oh, what was it? <laughs> it's okay. Let me think. Talk about something while Use I'm the force. <laughs> Are you suggesting that Kylo Ren is Finn's father? <laughs> <laughs> Uncle? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. You remember? Yes, I do. Okay. If the one thing that questions me about Ray's parents is why did they drop her on Jakku with Uncar? That is a good question. That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? May if it was Luke, maybe because of Kylo, but... Yeah. Well, and also the question is, was it even her parents who dropped her off? 
could it have been someone else? Was she taken from them? Was she kidnapped? Or yeah. given for kidnapped? protection? Yeah. I mean, regardless of who her parents are, why she ended up there is a is a much well, bigger story. All the Skywalker kids have to have terrible childhoods on desert planets. It builds <laughs> it's character. True. It's true. It's it was for your own good, Ray. <laughs> also, just to push my nerd glasses up a little bit, the um, <laughs> when the movie came out, there were a lot of theories that Kylo Ren going dark was connected to Ray being dropped on Jakku, but again, with this Bloodline book, that was six years before The Force Awakens. Um, Oh, am I allowed to say this mild spoiler about this? About Kylo Ren in that book? Well, it is a spoiler panel. Oh. I mean, it's... Well, it's, it's the not book, a huge spoiler. The book came out in May. Okay, the, the idea is that Kylo Ren hasn't turned dark yet at that timeline. But Rey's already on Jakku at that point. So these things, these events can't necessarily be connected. Yeah, and which which makes me wonder well, if, if she was dropped on Jakku before the First Order became a thing. Right. Why? What else was going on? You know, so yeah. Um, what what is who are is the elderly man in the beginning of the movie that gives Poe the rest of the map to Skywalker and what is his connection to the story? Lor Santeca is so it, his, the character's name is Lor Santeca and as Danny mentioned earlier, he's part of this organization called the Church of the Force, which we don't really know much about yet. But if you've actually if you've been reading the Poe Dameron comic that Marvel has out right now, it kind of deals a little bit with Poe trying to find him. And from some of the supplementary material, it's it seems that he's he's very interested in Jedi relics. And so my personal theory is not that he had a map to Skywalker, but he had a map to the first Jedi temple and Leia's best guess was that that was where Luke was going, which makes a little more yeah. sense than this random dude knowing where Luke Skywalker is. Yeah, and I'm curious because he was like keeping Jedi artifacts. I would imagine that Luke, after Return of the Jedi, is gonna like go try to find them, and so they might have either gone on adventures together or Luke went to him and said, "Hey, I'm looking for these things. Can you help me?" Um, I, there's also he says that line to me she's royalty about Leia which make, gives yes. me a pretty big clue about what his home planet is yes. um, and uh, just saying Lorsan Tekka sounds a lot like Tycho Tekka Tycho <laughs> no no okay no, no. <laughs> also like why is he um, concerned with Kylo like what's his connection to Kylo well uh, if he knows Leia then he pro- like would probably have known him growing up I would imagine yeah I think he's got a very close affinity and relationship with uh, with the Organa family and by extension Leia uh, Han and Ben yep. okay. uh, hi um, so uh, Rey seemed to be kind of overpowered in the force like how do you feel like, because she didn't know that she was a Jedi at first. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that she knew how to control the Force and get out of the predicament that she was in when she was trapped? Hall of videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that kind of goes back to my theory that she's a Skywalker because the Sky, you know, as Luke has said, the Force runs strong in their family. It is a little weird to me that she already knew what a Jedi mind trick was despite never having seen it, but... I mean, that's, you know, it's just one little scene. It's not really, like, a huge deal to me. Um, And, again, Luke and Anakin never knew that they had the Force until they were told. And, you know, Luke still managed to blow up a Death Star using the Force. So I feel like, you know, 
Rey being able to hold her own against Kylo is pretty par for the course if you're a Skywalker. <laughs> also, there's been a lo- some speculation that when the scene with Rey and Kylo, when he's torturing her, that she was basically like learning from him as he was trying to probe her mind um, and getting so. So it's kind of like, you know, in Harry Potter when they do the occlumency <laughs> and her doing the opposite and finding out, you know, how, how he's using the force, basically. You know, if you watch someone play a sport and you analyze it, that's kind of what she's doing self-consciously. Um, but it's very, you know, you think of the movie, is named The Force Awakens, um, so obviously there's something very special about her that makes her so powerful, and I'm really excited to see what exactly it is. And I would suggest that um, as much as the, the Force is ever-present in all these movies, we still know very little about how it actually operates. Theories about midichlorians aside, we don't know much about how the Force works. And so how much of that is actually... That's not how the Force works. <laughs> we know okay, that is so how Han, it works. So Han knows how the Force works, apparently. But, <laughs> like, how much of that in, is intuitive? Like, she didn't necessarily have to see Obi-Wan Kenobi, these aren't the droids you're looking for, to, to be able to know within herself that she's had this ability or have this idea that maybe if I try this, it'll actually work. Yeah. Like, we just don't, we don't know how that works because, I mean, I'm not force sensitive, unfortunately. So. I know, right? Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yes. Hi. Jack Burton here. Hi. Uh, my my question was actually already addressed on Team Ray Palpatine. Okay. So I'll, I'll just make a comment on that. Mm-hmm. If you go back and analyze his saber dueling style and hers, there are a lot of similarities that. Mm-hmm kind of points to that being a pretty pretty interesting theory. And then the idea that a Skywalker being a dark side user and a Palpatine being a light side user, I think would be pretty interesting and powerful, and that's mm-hmm. why they already are so at each other's throats. Yeah. Um, and in the book of Force Awakens, if you read the, the description of that scene, there's a strong dark side voice speaking to her, and that would make sense that she would be drawn towards the dark side originally. Right. And the second comment was on the why there's the resistance and the first order and where's the republic. Um, I think it was already mentioned, but Bloodline goes a yeah, good way into it. Bloodline does answer that. Yeah, I highly recommend it, Claudia Gray. It's her second book, and it's it's yeah. probably one of my favorites. She's great, great author. There's also some stuff in Before the Awakening by Greg Rucka, which is a middle grade book, and the end section is about Poe and how he was recruited into the resistance. Um, so yeah, I am not a huge fan of the Ray Palpatine theory <laughs> because I don't like to think about Palpatine procreating with anybody. <laughs> However, as I said before, if they can pull it off, then... What do, what do you got against Yasani Isard? No, that's gross. Stop. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, in Star Wars, you know, we know you don't, you don't have to actually you can just you know have clones um but you can be like anakin yeah um as i said you know it's not a theory i really like but if they could pull it off then you know i i do see the idea of having you know the skywalker be the dark side user and a palpatine being the light side user that is very interesting i just think kylo is going to be so self-conscious no matter who she is because he's supposed to be you know 
grandson of Darth Vader, you know, heir to the Force, and then this know-nothing desert girl from Jakku is kicking its butt. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. In that kind of vein, I guess, I feel like Rey has to be someone in, or she doesn't have to be, but she should be narratively someone important, kid, mm-hmm. because the movie goes out of its way to not tell us who her parents are yeah. and her backstories, <laughs> but make sure we know it's important. And then it also goes out of its way to make her a pilot and to put her on a desert planet and to make her strong in the force. And so mm-hmm. if you're going to, if it acts like a Skywalker and talks like a Skywalker, <laughs> you don't have to make it a Skywalker, but then why? So, so she grew up on a desert planet and is a good pilot. Are you implying she's Han and Luke's kid? <laughs> <laughs> um, being a good pilot is a Skywalker trait. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean... She could be Biggs's kid. Could be Biggs. <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 I personally am on Team Ray Skywalker Kenobi. Yeah. Uh, but it's <laughs> that would be a way to combine it all. I mean, it would explain why she's so powerful in the Force. All right, we got a grand um, unifying theory. But <laughs> it, it just seems like it's not that it's what's going to happen. I just don't understand the narrative purpose of retreading yeah. those tropes mm-hmm. that telegraph so strongly Skywalker. Mm-hmm. If you're not gonna make my her a question Skywalker. too is that they so she doesn't have a last name. Why did they? Why does she not know her last name if it's not supposed to be a big deal? Well, that's kind and of my question. Yeah, like, because like because Ray Plut sounds really. Bad. <laughs> well, oh, like because oh. there's there's theories that like she's a reincarnation of Anakin or she's a second Force magic baby, and <laughs> um. <sighs> I mean, midichlorians are a brilliant story choice. But we know the guy responsible we, for that uh, Ray's Anakin reincarnated theory. Thanks, thanks, Brian Young. <laughs> but all of those like wouldn't meet. They go out of her mm-hmm. way not to give her a last name, not to say who her family is, but yeah. to tell us that it's important. And so right. to say, but it wasn't actually important. We were just trying to give and you stuff yeah. to talk about at cons. Seems and a, a disingenuous. Point, a point in your favor here is for all the things Star Wars is. It's not, it's not subtle. subtle. <laughs> but also, the reason she might not know her last name because they got she left when she was like five, six years old. And if you've seen Joe Dirt, the same thing <laughs> happened to him. He didn't know his last name, and that was the McGuffin. Ladies the and gentlemen, the first time a Joe Dirt reference has ever been made at a Star Wars panel on Dragon Con. But actually, that that wasn't my question. My <laughs> Yes, was that, that was more a comment. My question is, yes. anyone bothered by the fact that episode six is called Return of the Jedi and here we are 30 years later and the Jedi have not really returned and well, the only one left is Kylo. Technically, there's still one left. Yeah. But like, well, even still he has a return. Even he's like hiding. They're, they're still kind of back. Well, <laughs> he also, they, yeah, they, they did... Um, I, that's one of the things I was waiting for in the movie was because I wanted to know what happened with the Jedi because I knew that Luke Skywalker isn't going to ignore Yoda's last, you know, teaching, which is pass on what you have learned. He's going to do that. Um, and when Han gave his little background speech and said that, you know, he was training a new generation of Jedi, I was kind of like, yay! And then Kylo killed them all, and I was like, oh. Um, I don't. I I'm not so fond of the idea that all the Jedi are gone. My theory is that not all the Jedi are gone because he had to have. I would imagine a lot of the some of the Jedi that he found were older at the time. Um, and kind of bringing from that 
Bantam Spectra era Jedi Order. Yeah, that you know, there's there are people who are force sensitive. They know it their whole whole life. Uh, go to Luke after you know the Empire's fallen. He, you know, they train. Some of them had to have trained to knighthood, so wouldn't have been at his temple slash academy. And maybe they just kind of sent another, you know, disappear into the galaxy. And now maybe they'll all come back. Yeah, I mean, that would be Kylo, awesome. <laughs> Kylo didn't have a clone army to turn on all the Jedi masters right. at yeah. the same time. Well, I, I mean, I guess I read Bloodline, and it seemed, and maybe I was reading it wrong, but it's the way Leia's narration was talking. It sounded less like they were training a bunch of mm-hmm. people and more like. Luke and Ben Organa were just kind of wandering around yeah. well, looking they were, for what to do. They were, but we also don't know what happened before them because this is still that's it's very close to the Force Awakens time period and he's been if he's been training Jedi since then, we don't know. But yeah. Thank you. Hi. Oh hey guys. Hey. Oh, hey. So that's actually a pretty good segue to my question, but first I'm gonna be a moof milker and <laughs> Do a shameless plug. So there's been a lot of talk about politics, military stuff. There's actually a great panel for that. If you're going to be around on Sunday afternoon at 5:30, right in here. That was a really good shameless plug. I know, right? Very nice, John. Right well done. Well done. Right. So, question: All this talk of Ray. We we know that the first scene in Episode Eight, for the first time ever mm-hmm. in in Star Wars, is going to pick up right where we left off. Yeah. How does that scene go? I, I played this out last night, so <laughs> it's perfect. So Which one were you? Luke approaches Ray, and then a cloud covers the sun, and her finger hits the trigger on the lightsaber. No, you're terrible. That is <laughs> awful. And he falls off Skellig, Michael. I don't know. That's that's. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of things I want to. You know, I, the scenes I want to see in Episode Eight. I'm really glad they are continuing that from that moment because I, you know, how, how does it continue? You can't just not continue that. Like, I just, like, I keep thinking, what might be the first thing that they say to each other? And I can't think of anything. Like, I, I honestly. Where's I my hand? She probably. Where did you get that? <laughs> she probably throws the lightsaber at him and yells at him for running away when the galaxy was about to be destroyed and then drags him back to Leia so Leia can yell at him. <laughs> I mean, it's. I got even odds on that theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I know it's going to be. Well, Mark Hamill hopefully will speak. <laughs> I mean, hopefully he hasn't gone mute. <laughs> my, uh, my favorite idea is that they recreate that shot and then, snap, Ray wakes up. It's a couple months later, and she is in the middle of training. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Um, move the microphone down. Yep, there you go. Thank you. When when Ray not wait when Ray was ha- having um when she touched the lightsaber, I think what she was thinking will probably be in the eighth movie. Mm-hmm. Be- because in the I've read a book about Star Wars, the yeah. complete saga. And it talked about how Boba Fett did escape, and it sh- showed Kylo Ren with bounty hunters, and if you looked close enough, you could probably see Boba Fett standing close to Kylo Ren, 
So, so I think that that will be in the eighth movie. So you want to see Boba Fett back? <laughs> He's got Boba Fett on his shirt. So. Well, we we don't know right now if Boba Fett survived. Yeah. We do He's kind know. Kind of Schrodinger's Fett. Yeah, right we. Now. <laughs> <laughs> we do know that his armor um, as, is current or uh, as of aftermath life debt is in the possession of someone not Boba Fett. Yeah. But I, I, I do. You mentioned the people who are with Ray, and those would uh, the Knights of Ren. We haven't seen them yet, except for that flashback. So I'm interested to see who exactly they are and how they tie into, you know, the Force. Are, are they Force users? And we don't know. Do they regularly team up with Mandalorians? We'll yeah. have to find out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we've got 15 minutes left. So if we could try to like go through questions quick, because I want to get everyone's questions. Yes. I just have a quick question. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any information about their ages? Because yes. Finn said that he was taken from his family at a young age. Mm -hmm. In the visual dictionary, um, they, they clarify their ages that um, Ray is 19, Finn is 23, and I think Kylo is around 30, 30-ish. Okay. Yeah. So she was, see, I thought maybe they were the same age and she was put on Jakku, so she wouldn't be taken. That's what a lot of people were were thinking um or and but they they clarified that um, okay. yeah so. and uh, th that book was written by pablo hidalgo so that's uh that's pretty concrete yeah pretty <laughs> word of god right there yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay thanks. you're welcome so hi. for the record hi i'm hi. on uh, i'm on team ray as anakin reincarnated <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> uh, you know doesn't like sand we have this other sand planet that's not tatooine yeah. for whatever reason except JJ wanted it my, <laughs> my, my question is this so we've gone through the family connections we've gone through the uh, family turned dark we've gone through bringing them back to the light but that's already happened before so what can we do in eight that is truly meaningful I like the I've one idea I've seen a lot is in the discussions of whether or not Kylo can be redeemed and that's a good discussion to have can he be redeemed both in the galaxy wide and when movie going audiences after killing Han Solo. That's going to be really hard for a lot of people to accept after after killing. How many of you would be able to forgive him after killing Han Solo? How many of you would not be able to forgive him? Brandy. <laughs> so yeah, that's I I I like the idea of them doing something completely different and him not being redeemed. I like the idea of I've heard of stripping him of the force somehow. I've heard the idea of him turning back in eight and then helping them, like, doing a, to use a wrestling parlance, a face turn and helping them kill Snoke at the end. Um, yeah, it's a lot of possibilities. I'm not so sure it's necessarily a character thing that will make eight different. I think it may be um, getting into more of the nature of the force itself mm -hmm. that may be a different thing we see in eight. I do think it is absolutely necessary that if they do try to redeem Kylo, that Leia is involved. Yes. yes. That is the only the only reason I want Kylo to be redeemed is because I don't want Leia to be sad. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't really care about him. She did not get to go to the Death Star with Luke to, you know, redeem Vader. And she's the one person who believes there's still light in him, which who would have thought that Leia would think that after the original trilogy? So I really, she needs to be involved in that. 
maybe the new thing in this trilogy will be the first time that we see someone tell a Lord of the Sith, go to your room, you're in timeout. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my favorite, where I hope it would go, although I don't know if Disney would allow it, is the uh, finale to the Legacy of the Force series, Invincible. Where having Rey kill him. Yeah. yeah. I, in some senses, they may be the second coming of Jason and Jaina Solo. So, thank you yep. very much. You're welcome. Hi. Hi. Uh, first off, with your worry about Palpatine, you have mm-hmm. to remember that indulging your passions is, <laughs> is what makes a Sith a Sith. So there are Palpatine True. children all over. The sure, but we don't have. Uh, sure, but, but we don't have to really think I, about that ourselves. <laughs> okay, but. A huge point of Rebels followed up by an entire series of books is about these uh, the Stormtrooper program mm-hmm. having a dual purpose talking to about find yeah, the Force users based on who is excelling at the program. We have canon that no one has excelled the program like Finn. And I'd like to challenge yeah. you on what your ideas are as Finn as a Force sensitive. One of... Um, so... I think you were talking about the Servants of the Empire books um, Which by are Jason excellent Fry. They're excellent. Are very much um, worth reading. So the main character of that book was Zare Leonis, and I kind of was really hoping that Finn was related to them, and I was hoping that they were going to go that way because his sister was taken by the Inquisitors and was Force-sensitive. Um, but I kind of now like the idea that he is not Force-sensitive because I just think he has that Han Solo luck on his side. Yeah. Um, and I think this trilogy of films is a little more back to Jedi and the Force being much more sparse, much more mythic, and much more scarce. So I I don't I don't think that Finn is going to be a Force sensitive uh, in this series. On on the flip side, I think a big theme of this trilogy already is, is like I mentioned before, the mythology of the Force. How does that work? What's going on? And and I think that uh, we're going to learn a little more about how everyone has the Force. And and I think Finn might be a little Force sensitive, but you know the same amount of Force sensitive that maybe Han Solo was. That he just like he was really lucky. Was that luck or was that you know the little yeah. little bit of the Force that, that wasn't as much as Luke had? He wasn't able to tap into it for whatever reason. Yeah, and that but could be there. more of that nature of the Force right. thing. We I hope we see more of as we go on. Yes. Good afternoon. I have two quick comments, and I apologize if you've already talked about them because I got here about 15 minutes late. No problem. First, on race parentage, I don't have any strong preferences there. I just wanted to say, and you may have mentioned it, that J.J. Abrams said in a recent interview that his her parents did not appear in the Force Awakens. Right. Then he did kind of go back on that and was like, a little bit. I know. I I think we can't trust anything he says. (laughs) That's probably true. J.J. Abrams is a liar. Yeah, and then I just wanted to ask about uh, General Snoke mm-hmm. and just your opinions on who he is or his. Yeah. And um, my personal pet right now that my son really dislikes is that he's a grown-up version of Ezra. <laughs> uh, so we we did talk about Snoke. We yeah. did not talk about him being Ezra. Um, while I do like the idea of Ezra turning to the dark side in Rebels, I don't think he's actually. Snoke. Yeah. I, in fact, I don't think Ezra survives Rebels. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you you hurt his feelings. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's where the shows takes place. Yes. Uh, a couple things. Um, one with Snap Wexley here. We finally the good guys finally have another fat pilot. <laughs> <laughs> and he survived. And because there's no G forces in the space, we can fly things. <laughs> right. All right. Um, but also, um, Captain Phasma. 
most useless character since Boba Fett. Yeah! Or, yeah! or most useless character in all the films. No, uh, uh, no Boba Fett was way more useless. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's okay. Like, how much crow is she going to eat? Because like, she dropped the shields. She she got thrown in the trash. She didn't jump into the trash on her own volition. She got thrown in the trash like Bastion in well, like, Never Ending Story. Well, let me put it this way. I wouldn't want to run afoul. Uh, I wouldn't want to run across Captain Phasma in episodes eight or nine because yeah. I don't think it's going to end well for. I anyone think episode who does. eight should be called the Revenge of Phasma. <laughs> Just be about her. Does it? Does it start like in the cafeteria? She's got like the blue mac and cheese. And like, <laughs> Look, I used to have shiny armor. I I think that was another thing that uh, most people could agree on was a disappointment because. Um, that she didn't have as much screen time as people would have wanted. I think now that they saw the reaction to her and how much people liked her and her character look, that she is going to have a lot I, more I to think, do. I think either Gwendolyn Christie herself or somebody else said that she was going to have a bigger role in yeah. episode eight. Hi. Oh, hi. Um, so I've kind of been thinking about the next episode and everything. Mm-hmm. And how awesome would it be if... Ray was carrying Luke in a backpack the next episode. <laughs> Have you seen the 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 Twitter picture? <laughs> so if you don't follow Mark Hamill on Twitter, you're missing out because he's a delight. And um, so on Daisy Ridley's birthday, he tweeted a picture of of Ray carrying him on his back, piggyback style. I think we need to see this in the movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. This is how I trained Ray. <laughs> The problem is if they do that, everyone will leave the theater and go, oh, they just rehashed Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Next question. Um, the scene where Rey is still on Jakku, mm-hmm. um, and she's in the Fallen AT-AT, they have said that her helmet actually says Rey. Could mm-hmm. that be um, I... her mother and her father is Luke? I think it says Drache. It's... No, there's a name on it, and the name is, it's not spelled the same way, but it's, it's like Ray, it's, it's Ray, some, like Ray is part of that name, which I, yeah. Yes, so that, yeah, that's, um, also in the visual dictionary that they, they say whose, uh, whose helmet that was, um, that was a pilot. Yep. I actually, um. Oh, you're going to find out for us? Thank you. I saw, (laughs) I saw a theory that, um, someone was thinking maybe she named herself after the name on that helmet. Like, maybe she didn't even know what her name was when she got left on Jakku. I like that idea. Which kind of ties into another theory about how maybe she might have been um, mind-wiped by the Force to not know who her family is or uh, where she comes from. Right. I love the... Uh, I I love that scene. Like, the, the introduction and opening of Rey is one of the best characterization moments in all of Star Wars. You learn everything you need about her without her saying a word. So it's the uh, helmet once belonging to Kazmit, Captain Dosmit Ray of the Tirfon Yellow Aces. God, I'm uh, so glad that stayed canon, Tirfon Yellow yeah. Aces. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. Yes, next question. Hi. Um, not exactly something to do with Ray, but why is Kylo Ren's lightsaber the only one that has a cross guard? Because, because he, he thinks he's a special snowflake. Yes. <laughs> That was going to be my answer. <laughs> he's a he's a punk millennial. He is a millennial. <laughs> kind of a hipster, yeah. He's a, I well, 
and we've seen it now in, in Rebels. Yeah, actually, to, on a more serious note, and the Visual Dictionary confirms this too, it's based off a design from the Old Republic, like the, the KOTOR-era Old Republic. And um, so I think maybe he was probably doing some research on his own on the Sith and saw that and was like, oh, that's cool. That's different. Yeah. That's I so want that. metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you read a lot about, um, I think in, in here there's like a whole spread on his lightsaber and how it's like raw because it's like raw with then because he didn't make it right <laughs> uh, seriously g- go pick up the visual dictionary it's a great really book good. and pablo's captions are worth the price of admission yeah. alone <laughs> yeah hi other than a slight age problem um haven't heard a lot of conversation about mace windu because seriously losing a limb falling a great distance not a problem for a jedi <laughs> <with> power <laughs> and um possibly being a parent of one of our characters. Snoke. Yeah. <laughs> nice Snoke. Snoke. <laughs> Same hairstyle. He's out for revenge. I mean, he did, you know, if he wasn't mean to Anakin, he might not have turned to the dark side, so all the things that happened was his problem. <laughs> if you rearrange the letters of Mace Windu, it spells, I am Lord Snoke. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Uh, I don't Try that. For real. I, I don't think that's true, Dan. I don't think that's true, Danny. Yes. I love um, your jacket, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I just have a comment about, is anyone else bothered by the fact that they didn't show the journey that Rage Baka, and R2-D2 had to go through to get there? They just showed <laughs> them lo- getting on the Millennium Falcon, and then, boop, next shot, they're there. Coming soon to a novel by <laughs> Del Rey uh, Books. I was gonna say, they make a great like web series, like a series of YouTube videos of just like their hijinks in the Falcon as <laughs> like Ray yeah, is because, like learning how to speak. Because Ray Wookie. can understand. Yeah, well, Ray and R two D two is like rolling his eyes the whole time. Yeah, Ray can understand him. We know that. So like he just he's telling her all about Luke, and like you just you don't hear. There's no subtitles, so you just hear Ray responding to him. Um, but yeah, I that was one of the things too that I thought could have been better in the movie is to show a progression of time that they didn't just get in the ship and then That's ended up there. J.J. Abrams has no sense of time or scale <laughs> when it comes to sci-fi. He's a time lord. <laughs> he did the same in Star Trek. It's fine. So we are... Uh, all right. We are out of... We have uh, one more time for one more question? Yeah. One more question? Real quick. Yeah, real real quick. quick. So we kind of saw the suggestion of like a force connection between... Ray and Kylo, mm-hmm. um, sort of like Luke and Leia. Do you think there's any kind of connotation with that? Like, we haven't super seen that right. a lot since Luke and Leia. I would like for the well, I would like for them to be cousins, but they're totally siblings. <laughs> Ship them at your own peril. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people who like that pairing, but... You always have to watch out for the accidental incest in Star Wars. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for... Hey, we've got... Wait. We're giving away stuff. We're giving away free stuff. If you are standing, please find a seat because every seat is numbered. Yes. 